a database of UFO sightings that can't be explained by natural phenomena or military exercises is well over 10 million. It's not just a light in the sky or somebody thinks they saw something. A real serious case, you know they've seen something. It changes people's lives. I was an amateur astronomer before I became a professional astronomer. So I always got the job of handling UFO reports. I saw a, uh, a huge craft just kind of come right over a squall peak. That was, you know, it was just breathtaking. And I can tell you that about 99% of what people reported to me as UFOs had a natural explanation. It was a hoax or it was a military activity. Unquestionably, it was a UFO, which means unidentified flying object. You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable, that's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle. I'm Brian. And if you don't want to miss anything, just hit that subscribe button. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. Brian and Janelle, the moment has arrived. Oh, man. We have with us live our friend, regular contributor, and author of the book, Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men. He's an astrophysicist. He's a follower of Christ. Dr. Hugh Ross, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you for inviting me back. Okay, so let's start <laughs> off with um, the, the, the fact that you actually are not a sci-fi fan, if I recall. Is that correct? Well, I did watch that movie, uh, 2001. I mean, I loved that computer. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, first of all, for those who don't know and have missed all the stories about it, what is supposedly coming out from the government? They're going to be releasing a lot of classified documents on UFOs. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of speculation about what's going to be released. A lot of it people already know. It's going to be a lot of military sightings of UFOs. That's kind of the bottom line. What do you expect to, that, you're, that we're going to see in this, Dr. Ross? Well, I think we're going to see a lot of documents about naval pilots and other Air Force pilots seeing these objects and, and, and recording them. I think that's exciting is that sometimes they got a radar recording, an infrared camera recording, uh, or a sighting. But I think it's going to be a lot of what we've seen before in, in the sense that What you're going to see is, yes, you get a radar blip, but often the pilot sees nothing, or the pilot sees it, and they don't get a radar blip. Uh, What they are releasing are ones where they get multiple sightings. In other words, they get a a radar blip and an infrared, but they might not get a pilot sighting. 
but the fact that they're getting multiple uh, component sightings, that has, that has been seen before, but we're going to see a lot more of it. So what prompted this? Because for, this isn't anything new, and I've been hearing people saying, oh, the government knows, government knows. Were they forced into it? Is this new material or things they've been sitting on for years? Well, I think it's stuff that they've been sitting on for years, and they said, hey, it's no different than what we've released before. We might as well release all of it. So I think that's what's happening, is that they're just saying, hey. And our government's been doing that. Year after year, they've been taking more material that's been classified and making it public. But it's already been enough leaked that what I'm realizing is it's going to be a whole lot more of the same. Well, and now, okay, so you're an astrophysicist and and you did co-write the book Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men. So what were some of the experiences that you've investigated, some sightings and such, and what did you discover about them? Well, I was an amateur astronomer before I became a professional astronomer, which means I really knew uh, what you could see with the naked eye in the night sky. I knew the constellations. So I always got the job of handling UFO reports. Mm-hmm. And when people see a UFO, they call the astronomy department. So I've had a lifetime of dealing with uh, UFO reports. And I can tell you that about 99% of what people reported to me had a natural explanation, it was a hoax, or it was a military activity. But there's a 1% residual. And what's interesting about that residual, and I'm not alone in saying this, it's real, but it's not physical. Uh, to give you some examples, there's cases where multiple people in different locations see the same UFO going through the atmosphere, which means you can triangulate it and calculate its velocity. And the velocities are above 10,000 miles per hour, even as high as 18,000. Yet the observers never report a sonic boom or heat friction. If this is a physical object going through our atmosphere, you will get a sonic boom. You will see heat friction, but that's never reported. And there's 2,000 cases where they have these UFOs going through the atmosphere and it crashes into the Earth. You go to the crash site, the ground is depressed, so there's a shallow crater. If there's snow, the snow is melted. Vegetation is damaged, but there's no debris, there's no artifacts at the site. If it's an aircraft crashing into the earth, you're gonna have lots of debris. In this case, there's nothing. Now, the fact that we're actually getting a crater and snow melted and vegetation damaged, but there's no debris, no sonic boom, no heat friction, tells me it's not physical. It's a real phenomena. And that explains why one of my professors at the University of Toronto, uh, Carl Sagan, was very dismissive. He says UFOs don't exist. But his worldview would not tolerate the possibility of non-physical reality. As a Christian, my worldview does. Fascinating. Okay, so now we're getting to it. Did you hear that? Yeah. We're talking about UFOs with Dr. Hugh Ross. He is from Reasons to Believe. He's an astrophysicist and co-author of Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men, among other books. So what what is he getting at here? The truth is out there. 
Brian and Janelle, WCRF, with us live, Dr. Hugh Ross. He's an astrophysicist. He's founder and president of Reasons to Believe, bold follower of Jesus. Uh, and I've read his book, Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men, because I love this kind of stuff. 60 Minutes did a big report on it. And Dr. Ross, you're, you're saying to us that there are some per- very small percentage, like 1% of UFO sightings, have a measure of legitimacy. You're saying that there's some sort of physical thing that's seen or, or like response to it. And you're saying you're... Yeah, I'm saying that it's, it's some non-physical thing that's generating physical effects. We're dealing with non-physical reality. And when I was a graduate student, uh, I noticed that there were two astronomers, every time they came on our radio telescope, they had a UFO encounter. I was logging 1,500 hours of observing time a year. I never saw a thing. They were logging three or four hours a year, and every time they came on, they saw something. The difference, though, was those two astronomers were deep into the occult, and I wasn't. And that's when I began to say, okay, maybe we're dealing with non-physical but real angels that are involved in the occult, namely the fallen angels. And that's when I began to do a study of these UFOs and realize there's a far higher incidence of these residual UFOs in equatorial Brazil, in France, in Soviet Russia, than there is in the U.S. Mm. But those were places at that time that had much higher incidences of the population being involved in the occult. And so whenever I processed a UFO report that came to the category of being real but not physical, I asked people about their background, and I found a consistent correlation. I also noticed that when these people abandoned their occult activities, repented of it, they no longer had UFO encounters. And that's why we call our book a testable scientific explanation of UFOs. You can put it to the test, get rid of the occult, you'll no longer have close encounters with UFOs. So then, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that it's essentially demonic in nature. Well, that's not just my opinion. There are six other physicists, PhD-level physicists, that have written books on UFOs. Probably the most famous is a French astrophysicist, Jacques Vallée. And they all conclude we're dealing with interdimensional phenomena or interdimensional beings beings that are not part of the space-time dimensions of our universe. They all agree with me it's not physical, but that it's real. And they also agree there's a one-to-one correspondence to what happens in UFOlogy and what happens uh, in demonology and the occult and witchcraft. So their comment is whatever is behind uh, witchcraft uh, is also behind these UFOs. Uh, We're explicit in our book in saying it's the fallen angels, and we document how the closer the encounter you have with one of these residual UFOs, the more harmful it will be, the more deceptive it will be. Probably the strongest evidence there is that there were individuals who were put into a trance by these UFO beings, and in a trance they did automatic writing, which means you lose control of your mind and you'll automatically write uh, what these beings tell you to write. The consequence was a 4,000-page book called the Arantia Book. 
Anyone can Google it, the Arantia book, 4,000 pages, uh. a third of its content is denying the deity of Jesus Christ. Oh, oh wow. Fascinating. And you know, as I recall, you also learned something when you studied the history of UFO sightings. Can you tell us about what you discovered when you looked at that? Right. That namely, it's always been with us. It's not new. What is new is the way they're revealing themselves. What's fascinating is over the past 3,000 years, they kept pace with our technology. And just to give you a recent example, in the year 1900, they were appearing as slow-moving dirigibles in the atmosphere. World War II, they were the Foo Fighters, uh, moving at, uh, you know, once the speed of sound. Now they're moving as fast as our fastest spacecraft. And also the messages they give their human contactees. A hundred years ago, they were saying, we're from the backside of the moon. But when the general public realized, hey, life's not possible on the backside of the moon, they changed their story. We're from Venus. And when people realize how hot it is on Venus's surface, they said, we're from Mars. What are they saying today? We're from a distant planetary system. Evidence, we're dealing with something that's non-physical, but real. I was reading a New York Times article on this from a, a, a physicist, and he's confident there's life on other planets and other galaxies. What's your take on that? Yeah, I've written extensively that there's no basis for that confidence. They're basically saying, uh, look, that there's the water habitable zone. You know, any planet that's in the water habitable zone where liquid water is possible uh, will be habitable. And they all believe the origin of life is an easy step. So if you got liquid water, you're going to have life. And I've written extensively in articles on our reasons.org website. There are 13 known habitable zones, distinct habitable zones. And for a planet to be truly habitable, it must simultaneously reside in all 13 of those habitable zones. And every few months it goes by, we discover another habitable zone. But I can tell you this, of all the planets that we know that exist, only one even exists in three of those known habitable zones. And you only get one guess as to which planet that is. Earth. Earth! Oh, I said it first! <laughs> you got it right. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go live there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're 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 saying, in your scientific opinion, with the, with your PhD and postdoctoral work in astrophysics, there's no way there's life on other planets. God created Earth unique in, in in this aspect. Well, there are some astronomers I think are trying to make a legitimate case yeah. based on the concept that the origin of life is a very easy step. That maybe there's a bacterium on a distant planet that's able to survive for a year or two on that planet, but nothing more than that. What, what's interesting in the astrophysical community is what's called the rare earth doctrine, that in terms of any like animals and plants, earth is alone, maybe a bacterium somewhere else. Uh, however, having also participated in a book on the origins of life, I would argue the origin of life is no easy step. And evidence for that is, Look what our best biochemists have been able to do in the lab. They've come nowhere close to assembling the building blocks of life uh, or putting those building blocks together. Someone a whole lot better educated, uh, more financially endowed, uh, with better control, uh, must have created the first life form. 
Dr. Hugh Ross is president and founder of Reasons to Believe and, again, author of Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men. Really appreciate your help. And I'd highly recommend folks check out that book to better understand this this phenomena. And uh, I'd assume you have some great resources at your website, too. We do. Reasons.org. And they can get free chapters of my books at reasons.org slash Ross. Again, reasons.org, reasons.org. Dr. Ross, thank you so much and live long and prosper, okay? Yeah, it's always my pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So go ahead, look down, hit that button right there and subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app, and you're able to connect with us. Or just go to brianandjanelle.org. And listen, we didn't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.